Trust in God and God will make your path straight. And in all things and everything, lean on God for your understanding. Please be seated. Each year I insist on reading the Passion narratives in their entirety. As I found myself drawn powerfully, pitilessly and painfully into the Passion narrative. Yet when I read these passages I often ask myself, why do we need to sit through Jesus' suffering? I don't want to keep reading about Jesus' suffering. Like Job's friends, I can only tolerate the discomfort for so long before giving advice or offering solutions and speaking in a moment for God. The hardest thing we can do as disciples is to sit through people's suffering without trying to hurry them along. As the longer we sit in these spaces, the more we are drawn into someone else's shoes and then having to imagine ourselves as that person or the people around them. The passion narrative draws me into participating in the events and the longer I sit in the story, the more I realise that I could be any one of these people. If Jesus were on earth, when would I have been a Pharisee or a teacher of the law looking to condemn Jesus as he turned my powerful political role into that of a servant leader? When would I have been the person saying crucify him because he did not deal with the things that were directly affecting my life, but asked to change my heart? Really? Change my heart? Do I want to change the hearts or do I want the Romans gone out of my life? When would I have been Pontius Pilate washing my hands of the situation in which I had the chance to change someone's fortunes for the better, but as a result of my inaction, their life was further compromised? When would I be the person like Pontius Pilate who got advice from his wife because of a prophetic dream and yet decided to do things in my own power and strength because it was easier or would cause less arguments, or as we read in the sermon today, there wouldn't be a riot. When would, I, when would I have been the soldier putting the vinegar on a sponge to punish someone who clearly needed life-giving water to get relief from their torturous circumstances? I am sure that if things were happening to someone in our community, as overtly as they were to Jesus in the Passion narrative, then many of us would step in today. The times have changed and we are not ready to crucify people the way we used to. The question still remains though, do we always intervene when we can alleviate someone's burden? Sitting in the story today might lead to some uncomfortable truths. Washing our hands of someone that is too hard to deal with, walking away from giving relief to someone who is in pain, putting our own esteem and place in a, people, in a group of people above all else to maintain power, and of course attacking someone who is not prepared to give us what we want in the way we want it. These are all things that we do that are reflective of the passion narrative today. They might not happen as overtly as they happened in the passion narrative, but the longer I sit in the story, the more chance there is for me to remember the times when I was one of these characters doing these things. Today's passage opens with an act of treachery. 
Judas, determining the monetary value of betraying Jesus into the hands of those who would persecute him. This is not simply a financial transaction, but a handing over of Jesus for a few pieces of silver. The NRSV comes up with the translation of Judas' actions as betrayal. When I sit with the passage and work it through in my mind and read it in the Greek, a more apt concept to me is actually handing over. Betrayal implies stepping back when the wheels have been put in motion and allowing the actions of others to finish off the work that was started. Whereas handing over involves a willful act of delivering someone or something into the moment that you want to happen. In comparison with each other, betrayal is almost passive and incidental. Again and again in the passion narrative, people are willingly handing over Jesus to gain political, material or financial gain. Instead of embracing and holding on to the one they could ultimately trust for their salvation, they hand Jesus over. And his journey to to death on the cross continues. In the Passion narrative, it isn't only Judas that we see handing Jesus over to embrace the ways of the world. We see the disciples handing the peace of Christ over and embracing violence in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the story, we see Jesus being handed over by Peter, who embraces the esteem of others and indeed embraces the idea of not being not being himself uh, persecuted or imprisoned for being Jesus' friend. Time and again we see people in the story handing Jesus over only to embrace something that will something that is empty, something that they'll be ashamed of, something that leads to grief and ultimately never leads to spiritual fulfillment. We might think that this is limited to the people in the narrative, but can I suggest that as we sit in the narrative, we might find ourselves being the ones that hand over the Lord Jesus at different times in our life, only to embrace things that are transient or decay or have no value to our eternal life. This week is Holy Week, and it is the week of the essential message of the good news that is proclaimed in the Gospel. The Passion narrative reveals an endless handing over of Jesus as a result of a disappointing set of decisions. Yet the decision of the one who who has the most influence over humanity, our Lord Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, is not to hand over humanity to eternal death and discard what was created, but to redeem and restore all of it and bring it all back to the Father. Jesus prays for the cup to pass him by, but not as he wills it, but as the Father in heaven wills it. Jesus hands himself over to the cross, because when we finally and publicly come before God the Father, and are challenged as to why we should be in heaven, Jesus will embrace us and say, My blood covers them. When that time happens, there will not be chance of condemnation and persecution and torture as Jesus faced in the Passion narrative. But in heaven, there will be an unrivaled joy, a celebration, a feasting at the eternal table in, eternal table in heaven 
because the one who was killed for our transgressions has handed us over to our Father in heaven. Throughout the narrative of Jesus' betrayal, trial, suffering and death, there are multiple places where different people could have changed the course of the story by embracing Jesus as the Messiah. Caiaphas could show more courage in the face of Roman threats. Peter could admit knowing Jesus. Pilate could show more resolve in the front of religious authorities. The Roman emperor could rule Judah with greater compassion and justice. If at any point someone in their God-given authority could have embraced Jesus as the Messiah, then the narrative would have changed to either eliminate or mitigate Jesus' suffering. In sitting uncomfortably in the Passion narrative, we watch and listen at every point where someone could have embraced Jesus as the Messiah and yet doesn't. Everyone seems to be carried along with the tide of brutality. No one is solely responsible. But then again, no one is innocent either. In our Lord Jesus Christ, we see someone who was innocent and had no sin, solely responsible for our salvation by his blood given, to, given through his death on the cross. In our Lord Jesus, we some, see someone that embraced all our sins so that we could be handed over to God. This, my friends, is why we journey on this holy week. And this is why this Friday, the day of, that our Messiah was crucified, is called good. The Lord be with you.